But as I got older, um, and I think it was really uh, after I did music school, was when the um, performance anxiety hit me. And uh, I found it very difficult to get on stage without, you know, the shaking and the sweating and all of that. And uh, that lasted for three decades. And it's only been the last, I'd say, the last maybe six, seven years that I've been able to let that go. Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Bree Noble. Bree is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Bree's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Bree is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. Hey, this is Bree Noble, and I want to welcome you to the Female Entrepreneur Musician, where we talk about making great music, connecting with your audience, and growing your business. And today we are talking about performance anxiety or more commonly known as stage fright. I've had a lot of people writing in, emailing me, asking questions about dealing with stage fright and wanting me to discuss it on the podcast. And although I have had a few times where I've experienced uh, stage fright or just discomfort on stage or maybe something bad happened to me during a performance and I have a hard time shaking it. I never had stage fright from the beginning. I was always just get me on a stage, you know, give me a microphone and I'm ready to go. But I know some of you maybe haven't been that way, but you feel that you have so much to share. You have a passion for music, you have talent, and you want to know how to get over this obstacle. And that is why I called on my friend and Academy member, Allison Anderson, to talk about this to you guys today, because I know it's a real frustration for some of you, and I want to give you the tools to help you get past it, as well as help you understand maybe why it's happening to you. I'm excited to jump into this subject, so here is my interview with Allison Anderson. All right, I'm excited to be here with Allison Anderson today. She is one of my Academy members, but she is also an amazing musician. Uh, she works in the psychology field. And, you know, even inside the Academy, she's been so helpful to a lot of our members who, you know, maybe be dealing with, you know, fears, you know, issues with confidence, um, things like that. And so, I really want to talk to her today about dealing with stage fright. I get a lot of questions about this uh, performance anxiety and truthfully, like I was never one of those people that dealt with that. Like I was ready to get on the stage. As soon as somebody let me, I was ready to get out there, but I know many of you deal with this and I know you have a passion to do your music and you're frustrated because you're not being able to get out there and be effective with your music and your message because of this. So I don't want this to hold you back. That's why I have Allison on here. But before we get into that, I'd love to have you let them know, Allison, a little bit about your background, where you're from, you know, a little about your music journey and everything else that you do. Sure. So uh, as you said, I'm Allison Anderson. I, I live in a small town in uh, rural Alberta, Canada. 
and uh, I am a licensed therapist here. Uh, I am not a psychologist, although I work in that field. I am a registered social worker in the province of Alberta, and um, I, my, my training is, is uh, clinical. And so um, I work, um, I, I do have a day job, <laughs> so I work uh, during the day um, with one-on-one -on -one with clients doing um, uh, therapy in a variety of different methods that I'm trained in. And uh, so, yeah, I, and, and I'm also a musician. So I've, I've been playing, well, I've been singing since I was six. Um, that's when I first started taking lessons when I was six or seven years old. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I lie. I started piano at six and then I started singing at seven. Anyway, um, so I've been singing my whole life pretty much. And uh, so when I was younger, like when I was a child, uh, I was fearless. Like uh, I was like you, I would just get on the stage and, you know, let me out there. I mean, I can remember in grade two, I, I did a whole play, played all the parts, sang the songs. Like it was just, it was for a community little pageant thing. And, and I was just ready to go. Um, but as I got older, um, and I think it was really uh, after I did music school, was when the um, performance anxiety hit me. And uh, I found it very difficult to get on stage without, you know, the shaking and the sweating and all of that. And uh, that lasted for three decades. And it's only been the last, I'd say, the last maybe six, seven years that I've been able to let that go. And uh, yeah, so the, the revelation was one time I had a terrible performance, a horrible, the worst performance I could ever have. Everything went wrong. I couldn't hear the pianist. The pianist couldn't hear me. I was off key. I'd start off key. I'd try again and I'd still be, it was just, it was horrible, horrible uh, in every sense of the word, except that I let go. And I realized that it couldn't get any worse. <laughs> so I was okay. Right. That, that was the revelation. It, you know, this was the worst and I was okay. And then I started having fun. And the moment I let go and started to just kind of laugh it off, like I was literally laughing, like, and talking to the audience, you know, this goes this way sometimes like with any Memorex, right? It's, this is live. And so the moment I let go, I heard the most beautiful tone come out of me that I had never heard mm. before. And that was before I had become a therapist. And so this was, this was something that I just experienced on my own. And then I was like, okay, so as I did my training and all of that, I started to go, oh, wait a second. I think I know what's going on here. And um, for me, I, I, I know that the catalyst for the stage fright was music school. I know that because of my experience there. And Interesting. So, do, you, do you think it was... Was it like you got into that perfectionist mode because of music school? Uh, no, I had a couple of bad performance experiences when I was about 18 or 19. And I also had some bad experiences with um, the instructors. Mm. And, um, and I won't go into detail on that, but <laughs> it was enough to shake my confidence. And I hate to use the word confidence, but it's more... Um, it was actually deeper than that. Um, I got to a point where I didn't even want to listen to my own voice. 
Mm. It was about, I don't know, four or five years where I wouldn't sing in front of myself. And so, yeah, I was just, I was just shaken to my core. So, um, and it's different for everybody. The, the, what, what I, I mean, I think that performance anxiety hasn't really, it's been studied a lot, but there hasn't been a lot talked about in terms of treatment. There hasn't been a lot talked about in terms of how to, how do we get over that? Right. There's tips and tricks. Absolutely. And they do work um, on the day. Like when you're getting up on stage, there's things you can do on stage to calm your nervous system. There's things you can do um, to, uh, to relax and um, calm your body on stage. So you're not worried so much about the shaking and that sort of thing. But I think that the root of performance anxiety, I mean, it's classified as a social phobia in the DSM. So that's a psychological consensus book by psychologists that, that create those diagnoses, right? Social phobia and um, um, generalized anxiety disorders, all of those, you know, disorders. Um, so performance anxiety is considered a sp- specific particular type of social um, anxiety disorder or social phobia. Huh. So are there different kinds of performance anxiety? Because I feel like sometimes it has to do with um, like a, something bad that happened to you, almost like a PTSD, right? If you have a yeah. really bad performance and you just keep replaying that in your mind mm-hmm. um, versus just maybe a lack of, lack of confidence or, or nobody's ever told you you were good or something like that. So I, I don't think there's different kinds of performance anxiety i think that the feelings are the same when you're experiencing it okay because it it's 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 about how your body is responding in the moment to the signals that you're giving it through your thoughts okay so the origin of the thoughts can be a bad performance or maybe it's trauma in childhood maybe it's uh maybe some strong personality traits that are getting in the way. So there's lots of different ways, like lots of different origins, maybe some learned behavior patterns from that were modeled to you as, as you were growing up. So there's, there's lots of different possibilities that could impact that deep self-esteem. But when you get on stage, whatever that origin is, the result is the same. It's the same because our bodies are, are wired the same in terms of our nervous system. Well, I was also curious if, are some people just born with this? Or is it like every child, like you said, most children are fearless, right? So do children often start off like totally fearless and then something happens to them. Or are some people just really born with absolute shyness and fear of doing stuff in front of other people. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure that I would say you're born with stage fright or performance anxiety, but you might be born with a propensity Mm. to have or a tendency towards um, cause. Okay. So, the way our brains develop is there are two major factors. There's the biological. So what we get from our parents and our DNA, and then there's the situational or the environmental. And um, so, yeah, 
because I mean, when we do a, a, an assessment, if somebody has anxiety, we ask about, we ask whether there's any family history of that, right? So there is a biological component, but I think it's more around a tendency. And then that gets kind of maybe um, exacerbated or, or made bigger by environmental factors, by situation, by experience. So every experience helps to develop our brain. Like that's how our brains develop is through experience. And so um, it can be like, even when you're talking about trauma, when, when people say trauma, most people think about a horrible accident or abuse or something like that. But trauma is not about what you experienced. That's not where, what delineates the trauma. What delineates trauma is how we respond to an event. Mm. So it can be a seemingly innocuous event to some people, but it may be traumatic for that person, depending on how they respond to it or how they are able to respond to it in the moment. Ah, yeah. Interesting. Um, Yeah. So that's why some people might experience a really, you know, what people would think of as a big trauma and come out fine. And other people might have a small event like a, that might be small, like a one-time bullying or a bad performance experience that could be traumatic to them. It's about their response, not about the size of the event. Got it. Got it. Oh, interesting. So, you know, no matter how this happened to you, if you, if you are experiencing stage fright or performance anxiety, what are some things that we can do to help? And are there things we can do like, way outside of the time that we're performing, like, you know, during the week as we're preparing or just like as a general practice. And then I'm assuming there's some things we can do like right before we go on stage. Yeah. So most of the, most of the um, advice out there is for when you're on stage. Okay. So things that calm the nervous system. So mindfulness practices, um, breathing, being in the moment, all of those kinds of things are practices that you can do outside of the time to practice it so that when you're ready to go on stage, you can use them on stage. So it's not something you can just go, I'm going to do that when I'm on stage only. No, you have to practice it before. So even the stuff that helps you on stage in the moment, it's better to practice it before so that you have those tools and those skills available when you need them. So you're not just scrambling Well, that makes sense. Just like you wouldn't just go out on stage and sing a song you'd never sung before. Exactly. (laughs) You have to unless you're unless you're doing some sort of kind of improvisation and that's that's your shtick. I mean, some people do that. Um, So yeah, it it it, it does take some practice because it is a skill, right? These are skills that we're that that we can learn to help us um, in the moment, stay in the moment, and also manage any kind of um, aroused nervous system issues that we might have. So that would be things like shaking and sweating Mm. and breathing too fast and those kinds of things. So those take care of that. Um, So mindfulness can be really helpful in, um, in dealing with the physical manifestation of the stage fright. But before we go on, I I feel like mindfulness is kind of like a buzzword. Can you explain a little bit more about what that means? Absolutely. So when I'm talking about mindfulness, I'm talking about a practice that is um, aimed at being in the moment. So we're not talking about a particular meditation. We're not talking about, you know, because there is a mindfulness meditation practice that you can do, but that's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about something that anybody can learn how to do. 
through practicing through just practicing it a few times a day. Mm. Right. And so um, really it's about being aware of what is happening in the moment. And the way you do that, at least this is the way I teach it to my clients is through uh, using leveraging the body, using our five senses because our body only exists in the moment. It doesn't exist in the future or the past. It's only in the moment. And so it's a great place to ground in the moment is using our five senses. Yeah, that so, makes sense. I, I, you know, I don't know. It's almost like the opposite, but like, well, I used to go into this auto mode when I would perform and realize that I was thinking about something totally different, you know, and then, and then that would cause me to almost screw up because I wasn't yes. focused, you know, and so just learning how to be present where you are in the moment is important. Exactly. And so this, you know, using the five senses, being body centered mindfulness is what I call it. I mean, it's not really a like, I don't think you'll maybe look that up and find it, but that's what I, I call it because I like to really emphasize that we have to be in our bodies in order to be in the present moment. And, and most people live in their heads. And so by getting into our bodies, we get grounded in the moment and that, that helps us to calm our nervous system, which is what's happening. Because when, we're, when we are, have stage fright, we're activating our fight or flight response. Mm. And that's, that's why we're shaking. That's why we're breathing heavy. That's why our heart is beating fast because our body is being, is preparing to either fight or run away. Yeah. It's just, it's interesting how the body responds so extremely, you know, it's not like we're being chased by a lion. Right. But it is the exact same mechanism. So if our, if, if our brains send a thing, so our body's doing exactly what it's designed to do. It's doing exactly what you're telling it to do because you're saying, I'm afraid this is dangerous. And that's the signal that goes to the body. The body can't tell if it's a lion or if it's an audience, mm. the body is just designed to respond to that signal of danger. And when you have stage fright, you actually have that dangerous fear, even though there's no life threatening fear. So part of it is, recognizing that there's nothing actually dangerous here. Like you're not actually, your life isn't being threatened. So that's part of it. But once that signal gets sent to the body, the body doesn't know the difference until you calm it and send another signal saying, no, it's okay. And by doing the mindfulness practice and being in the moment and noticing the moment, that's how you, you realize there's nothing dangerous here. It's okay that you're okay. And that mm -hmm. calms the body. Yeah. I know sometimes we tend to get angry with our, like, why do my hands shake? You know, get angry at our body when it's just doing right. what it was designed to do. Exactly. So that, so part of this whole thing is being kind to yourself, which is difficult, right? We're very hard on ourselves. And so being kind to ourselves and being kind to our body and looking at like treating our body, like it's a friend, like it's a partner. This is, this is not a battle against this is a dance with. Mm. Mm, I love that. So I know that you talk about um, nurturing your muse. And I love the sound of that. What, is, what do you mean by that? So as human beings, creativity is a birthright. We are one of the, we are the only as far as I know, maybe the bonobos might have some, I don't know. <laughs> They're the, like the closest to us as they've found. But 
human beings have always had that creative impulse, that, that drive to create. And so um, nurturing the muse is giving yourself the freedom and the fertile ground for that creativity. So we can't expect, for example, we can't expect a child to thrive in a situation where they're constantly being berated for making mistakes. We can't expect a child to thrive in an environment where they're being neglected. It's the same with our inner creativity. It needs fertile ground. It needs kindness. It needs nurturing. It needs love in order for us to really um, explore that creative energy to its fullest. So that's really what I mean by nurturing the muse Mm -hmm. and being able to play freely. And when I use the word play, I'm not talking about playing an instrument. I'm talking about play in the sense of of how a child plays with abandon and without, you know, uh, necessarily having a structure or a purpose. It's purposeless play. That is very nurturing. And that also is the cradle of creativity. And does incorporating that play, is that involved in helping you overcome stage fright? I believe so. Because I, for me, I'm finding that the more I'm, I'm allow myself to improvise. And again, I'm not speaking strictly about musical improvisation, but it does relate. Um, I'm talking about improvisation in life. So the more I am allowing myself to respond to what is happening in the moment as an improvisation, as opposed to a rigid rule or a plan or a, you know, something I've got to do, stick to, right? So that there's this flow, this give and take of what is happening. So you can actually think of it in terms of music if you listen to jazz musicians, right? They have, they have a basic structure, the chords that they follow, the tune that they're doing. But when they improvise, they're, they're paying attention. They're listening. When you hear a really good jazz performance and they're improvising, they're, they're doing it in response to what is happening in the moment. It's not something they're doing by rote. It's not something that they've said, okay, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. Right? They're, they're responding to what's happening. And so... We don't, it, you don't have to be improvising in the terms of music to do this. So like, even if you're singing something that has been practiced and, and you know, you're, you know what you're going to do, still you can respond in the moment to the tones of the instruments, to the tone of your own voice, to how you're feeling in the moment, the response of the audience. All of those things can influence how you perform, but it can only do it if you're present mm. and aware. If you're too busy worrying about what the audience is thinking in your head, you can't be responsive that way because you're too worried about holding it together. It's true. And I, I used to, one way I used to really love to play was during like the stage banter between songs. Ah, And yes. I would be very improvisational depending on the way the audience was, but every, you know, and so it was really great. Like I'm pretty good with that kind of thing and improving. But every once in a while, I'd say something that was just like, oh my gosh, why did I say 
<laughs> right. And I'd remember it later, you know, and I'd be like, oh, I should come up with a script that was stupid. You know, how do we not get into those spirals when we do make a mistake when we're improving. Yes. And there's always going to be moments where we do something right. we didn't intend. There's always going to be moments when it's not as, you know, it, as successful or I, I don't really like using the word success and failure, but um, as um, I like the idea of it works or it doesn't work. So mm -hmm. something that doesn't work as well as what you'd like, right? Um, there's always going to be those moments. So the the thing with mindfulness, the purpose of mindfulness is not to stay mindful 24 seven because nobody does that, right? And in a performance, you're not going to stay mindful the, through the entire performance, every second of the performance. The skill of mindfulness is being able to return to the mm. moment. That's the skill. It's not staying in it. It's about being able to return to it because there's always going to be a distraction. There's always going to be something that pulls you out. And so that mindfulness practice that I was talking about where you practice it beforehand is the practice of being able to go into mindfulness when you need to. So if you are drawn out by something that you said, being able to let it go and just acknowledge it and let it go and go back into being in the moment. Mm. Now it's a real skill. And then even if you're like later on, if you're remembering it and like, Oh, I can't believe I said that. Can you still use mindfulness there to get out of it? Well, yes, because at that point, you're not in the moment either. You're in the past. Right. You can't change the past. The past is gone. So part of being able to integrate that is, is allowing that to just be. And that comes from acceptance, which is another part of mindfulness. So being, being in the moment, being aware of the moment, you also have to accept what is real in that moment before you can act upon or respond to what's happening. You have to accept and acknowledge what actually is before you can respond to it. Mm. So and I think it's so important to realize that you're never going to be as creative if you're always trying to be perfect. So right. there are going to, like you said, there are going to be those times and knowing that without those lows, you can never have the highs that you created by letting yourself go. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, even in like going back to jazz musicians there, I can't remember who said it. Oh, I wish I could remember who said it. Oh, I was a jazz musician. I was listening to something that they were talking about. And, and they said, there are, no, uh, there are no mistakes until you play the next note. And mm -hmm. so when you play a note that isn't what you expect, all you have to do is the next one you play just goes in a direction that makes that one fit. So it's not really a wrong note. It's just not what you intended to play, but that may take you in a direction that you hadn't thought of. Mm. And isn't that wonderful? Exploring places that you didn't expect to go. And even with what you said with, you know, you say something that you didn't mean to say, but that might've led you to another thought that you wouldn't have thought of without that. Right? So this is that sense of play, right? So when you watch a child play, they don't sit down with an intention. They start to play. They play with the blocks and then they go, oh, that looks like a house. Oh, that looks like a horse. Oh, now the horse is, you know, running around in the house and oh, mom's like going, no, get that house, out, that horse out of here. You know, they don't have any rules and they start to explore whatever it is they're doing in a way that they can discover things. If we do everything by road, if we plan everything out, we don't have any discovery. There's no exploration. There's no surprise. Mm. And there's no joy.
Because the joy is in that surprise, in that, oh, wow, did, did you see how that went? That was cool. Like, what was that? That was awesome, right? And so that brings that, that being in the moment and recognizing what's happening and responding to it gives us all of these other opportunities for joy that we miss out on if we're too worried about locking into what we want to have happen. Mm. Mm, that's so good. So obviously, if someone is dealing with the stage fright, obviously they can, they can come and check out what you're doing and, and get some help from you. Um, if they're not like quite there yet, they're, they're at that point like where you were, where they can't even listen to their own voice, mm-hmm. but they still have this passion to do music. Is there like one step that you would give them to get them to just move forward a little bit so they can start <laughs> working on this? So... Give yourself permission to do the worst thing in the world, to be horrible. Just give yourself, it's okay. The sky won't fall. Nothing's going to happen. Because if you're at that point where you're not performing and you're not out there anyway, give yourself permission to just do the weirdest, worst, whatever in your own space. Get used to all the different things, if you're a singer, all the different sounds that your voice can make. As weird, as wonderful, you know, whatever. Just explore the sound of your own voice and be okay with whatever comes out. Just discover, just play. And get that sense of play back. Mm. And as you said, when you did, you were very aware that when you let go, all of a sudden you heard a sound that was so lovely. Yeah, it, it completely freed my voice in a way I didn't think was possible. The tone, the, it was just, it, it was beautiful. And I was, I was so surprised. And, and it was just, I just felt so much joy in that moment. And since then, I've, I've heard things that I didn't think were possible. Mm. Yeah. So uh, now, and for me, it was a long journey. It doesn't have to be that long. <laughs> Is what I'm saying. Because <laughs> I spent a lot of years just, you know, thinking it was impossible. Oh. Well, this has been really, really helpful. And where can they find out more information about you and, and see all the stuff that you, you are doing to help musicians really find their muse? So my website is andersonarts.ca. So pretty simple. <laughs> and so that's really the place that, that people can, can go. I also have um, a Facebook page uh, that's also andersonarts.ca. Is the, you can put that into the Facebook uh, search and I should come up. And uh, yeah, so um, hopefully in the near future, uh, there's going to be some other things on the on the horizon. So stay tuned. But those are the places that you can, that you can check out. Um, oh, cannot wait. Cannot wait. It's been just a pleasure to have you in the Academy. And I love how you're able to give just that calming ability that you have when some <laughs> people come in and they're stressed out and they're freaking out and all their gigs are canceled and what, you know, and you're just able to just help them, you know, see what's good and what's, what they can control. Oh, well, thank so you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I love I love the community. That's my favorite part of the academy. And uh, yeah, I really I would I want to thank you for having me on. This has been this has been lovely. You are so welcome. 
Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com and music by Stella Ronson. <laughs>